Welcome to the Quintessential Being podcast. Here, you'll find conversations with epic souls that offer fresh perspectives, cultivate awareness, and invite acceptance for you to experience wholeness right now. Join me, Nikki O'Brien, as I dive deep with these beautiful beings of light. Hello, my loves. Before we jump into this gorgeous episode, I ask you to please take a second to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. It really helps this to be more visible and more heard in more ears. And you know that I love sharing the message of self-acceptance and cultivating awareness and inviting perspective. So if you could please help me do that by rating and reviewing this podcast, I am eternally grateful. Okay. If you have ever looked at your intimate or work relationships and thought, wow, there is a pattern of unhappy here, there has to be a better way. You are not alone. Love is what bonds us all and in the absence of it, we feel utterly broken. Well, at least I do anyway. And I know that I'm not the only one who has danced this tango. Codependency is something weaved into Disney stories Hollywood movies, and your favorite TV series. So today, I called in a relationship expert, Natalie Ann Murray. She specializes in helping women realign with integrity and power to authentically feel at peace with being true to themselves. Recovering from dysfunctional childhood and adult relationships to truly experience deep, lasting transformation is nothing less than empowering. So I am grateful beyond belief to welcome to the Quintessential Being podcast, Natalie Ann Murray. Hello, you beautiful woman. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Thank you, Nikki. It's a real pleasure to be here. I love that in your bio, Natalie, you say that you're a recovering people pleaser because I resonate so strongly with that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so people pleasing, like that word can often be substituted for codependency. Mm-hmm. When I say it, I mean codependent because I find that women either sit on one side of the fence or the other. Some women, many women actually actually think the term people-pleasing and feel the term people-pleasing is actually a good thing. Like it's, it's almost like a badge of honour. It's like I'm a good person because I'm pleasing everybody else. But the people that I work with are the people who know that that people-pleasing has gone a bit too far. <laughs> it's too far. It's toxic. And yeah. it's actually a deeply ingrained pattern. So can you break down what codependency actually means? It's when I don't believe I have any value or worth unless you think I've got value and worth. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to convince you that I've got value and worth, mostly by putting myself last and you first. Mm. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to convince you, even though I will never believe it for myself. That's my definition of it because it's an endless (laughs) no-win situation about trying to receive your validation from outside of yourself. Yeah, get to a destination that's never really 
arrive, like you never really arrive. You never ever really arrive because within self, within like I can only speak for myself, when my codependency was very out of hand, uncontained, I was unaware. I was like a big empty pit mm. <laughs> and no matter what external validation I got it was never ever going to be enough I had to get more and more and more and more and more and more and more so where do you think it stems from Natalie uh it definitely stems from our experiences growing up mm-hmm. in childhood that's the traditional therapeutic for one of a better word belief system that if we don't get the real healthy love and nurturing and validation and sense that we matter to somebody, you know, matter to our parents or our caregivers, if we missed that somewhere along the way growing up, we often come into adulthood with that deep sense of emptiness. Mm. But it may not necessarily be something really obvious, like an obvious physical trauma or verbal abuse or sexual abuse or anything like that. It may not be that obvious, but it can simply be a child just fundamentally not feeling that they matter and are worthy just for who they are. Totally. I've got so many um, yes, 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 yes going off in my mind. And I feel like because of the way, like you said, like I really want to hone in on that point. Like I think it it can be really covert in some instances, in a lot of instances. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that makes it really wrapped up with shame for for adult women. Oh, absolutely. Shame is very much a core emotion that's deep down inside underneath it all and that's why I'll go back to what I said in the beginning for many women they pride themselves on being a people pleaser because they don't realize that their motivating um (laughs) motivating drive I suppose is to cover over their feelings of shame and inadequacy so if I just be the nicest person in the world and give you everything and you know, put everyone else first, then that makes me a good woman. And there's so much powerful conditioning that we as women on the planet have received, you know, throughout the entire history of of the human race. Women have been conditioned to be the caretakers, the caregivers, and and given a lot of praise. You know, how many women... Uh, you know, are told is I hear this often. It's like she's so amazing. She goes above and beyond. You can count on her for everything. You know what I mean? And you, people can get a play a role so deeply and feel an identity so strongly that they don't even see it as dysfunctional, because ultimately, if you are wrapped up in codependency so deeply you don't even exist anyway like you mm. feel like you're not you're not even there you're not factored into your own life anyway yeah wow. so and that feels normal that's normal because that's all you've known there's a few things I want to unpack there firstly it feels like there's a, a process that you have to go through to even arrive at the revelation that you're codependent yes. and yes. secondly like I really I, <laughs> I fucking feel ripped off because I feel like oh. It's sold to you as a little girl as manners and being nice. Yes, yes, yes. And good girls, good girls never say no. Yes. 
Good girls always go along to get along. Good girls always say, no, you go first. Yeah, it's a huge part of the conditioning for the feminine on the planet. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. And so super confusing. Like how do you even start to navigate breaking that narrative and that, you know, conditioned behaviour? Well, it's interesting. At some point in life, there needs to be some kind of wake-up moment. Mm. You know, we're going, if, if we're wrapped up in codependency, which, look, codependency is rampant on the planet. It mm. is rampant. It's everywhere in so many different guises and I see it as a spectrum of how severe it is. But it's, most people are touched by it in some way. But it generally takes some a wake-up call to come out of that deep sleep where our focus is just on somebody else and what they're doing and whether they're loving us and whether they like us and whether we're, you know, making them happy, something generally wakes us up. And unfortunately, it's often something really painful like the breakdown of a relationship. Again, (laughs) it's not generally the first breakdown that wakes us up. It's often the second breakdown and the third breakdown. And we go, wait a minute, there's a pattern here. Mm. It's And it's not just with romantic relationships. No. It could be that somebody really struggles to keep friends. You know, I just can't seem to create long-lasting relationships with friends. Something There must be something wrong with me that friends just come and, you know, we have this really intimate, amazing friendship and then all of a sudden they drop me like coals. What is that about? You know, and people just start to see those patterns. I must admit it's often when people have a bit of life experience under their belt. Mm-hmm. So they're usually, you know, in their 30s at least, mm-hmm. you know, 40s, 50s. It's like, hey, wait a minute, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And it could be, uh, the wake-up call could be about your health. Health is a big, uh, having a health crisis can be a big wake-up call. Yeah. It's like, Wow. I've completely neglected myself here. You know, I've been running around after everyone else and I haven't taken care of myself. I don't eat properly. I'm overweight. I've got heart problems, all of this stuff. Um, Wow, what am I doing? What am I doing to myself? And sadly, the other big one is often the death of somebody that's really, really important to you. Yeah. So the death of somebody really important to you and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> I've got a sh- one life here, what am I doing? I'm so unhappy doing what I'm doing, something needs to change. Like you said, they are really powerful um, transformational points but when you, oh gosh, when you cross the threshold and get to the other side, you, you're so glad that you did, hey? Um, absolutely, absolutely, but it is a choice. Yes. It's that I remember my therapist used to say, you know, don't go back to sleep. You've woken mm. up now, don't go back to sleep. I don't think that you get a choice to go back to sleep, really, <laughs> when well, you, you have try, one of those big you moments. You try, but you'd be really like dumbing yourself down, wouldn't you? Yes, you'd be like, definitely. Just, I just want to go back to my old ways because, <laughs> you know, there's work to be done, as you know. There's yeah. a lot of deep work to be done. There's, there's a lot is. of soul searching to be done. There's, you've got to look you know at yourself you know what is going on in within you in your head and your heart that causes you to be on this um having this you know this external attachment this need to be 
to get this external validation from people because you don't have your own sense of self, you don't have your own sense of worth. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of work to be done to get that sense, strong sense of self, to reclaim your childhood, to do all that healing, to break the patterns of how you behave in your family. I think of it as the path, um, but you know that book, The Road Less Travelled or mm-hmm. The Path Less Travelled? Yes. It, it is the path less travelled. It is. So you know what? I'm actually going to do the opposite of what most people on the planet are doing in these very common patterns that play out in relationships like a lot of people think drama and intensity and all of that is normal in relationships but it's not no oh there's like so many layers to this I just want to go back to what you said before about you think that it's so rampant on the planet because I just 100% agree with you Uh and I don't even believe I like does anyone even exist that doesn't at least (laughs) exhibit some sort of codependent behavior but you said then that you see it as a spectrum so can you dive into that a bit deeper with us yeah well this is my personal belief that um you know we're human beings (laughs) We're wired for love and belonging. You know, we're wired to be part of a tribe. We're wired to, to be connected and in relationships. And that's that's normal. And our natural selves, you know, our God-given expression of self that we were born to be, that pure self also has a strong sense of connection within. So we can be, I look at it like this, I, I believe our natural state is that we can be a part of a community or a part of a family. You know, we can, we can feel like we belong and we can also be a part, meaning A-P-A-R-T. We can stand strong even when we're not with our family and not with our community. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we, we naturally can fi- feel good within a, within a system, but we have the strength to be outside of the system and stand on our own two feet as well. Okay, so on the whereas the spectrum is concerned, I think yes, we all have a have a need to be dependent on each other because we are dependent on each other. Mm-hmm. We have to be. We wouldn't survive on this planet if we weren't dependent on so many things to keep us all going. But as we move up the spectrum, um, Things can get really, really, really quite severe. And there's, I'll, I'll share with you five core issues that I see all the time within women who come to me, and I recognise them because I had all of these issues as well. Mm-hmm. But when when I break it down to these five issues, it's just like, well, how much are these issues affecting you as an individual? Yeah, okay. So they are, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am, I don't love myself, I don't know how to protect myself, meaning I have no sense of boundaries. Mm, Boundaries. Right? Bloody boundaries. (laughs) Bloody boundaries, right? The fourth one is I actually don't know how to take good care of myself. Mm. A lot of women with codependency issues cannot even do the basics of life to keep themselves, you know, going. And the fifth one is I don't know how and I actually don't want to be to live moderately. And by that I mean if, you, if you're right at the end of this, you know, at the higher end of the spectrum of codependency, you're generally living your life in extremes, you know, from one extreme to the other. 
you can either be really, really, really low self-worth or on the flip side, you can feel that you're better than certain people in your life, you know, become more prideful, you know. Mm. There isn't that beautiful middle ground of how can I feel equal, equal and no, not needing to compare myself, not needing to put myself down, that kind of thing. So those five issues are going to be different for everybody in terms of how, how severe they are. Yeah. So, Natalie, when you feel like you've identified with one of those issues, it can, uh, you know, I feel like when you first discover this about yourself or or really the word is come into awareness about mm-hmm. it, it feels like it can feel like you're in free fall. So what, yes. what would you say are the first baby steps to moving beyond that point? Well, I think... The most important thing is to to reach out and find evidence that you're not the only one <laughs> because okay. so many women with these codependency issues are so hard on themselves, so judgmental on themselves, and that shame is running strong still. So even if you've had the awareness, yeah. of the shame is going, oh, don't tell anyone. There must be something wrong with you. You must be really weak. You know, everybody else must know something that you don't. So you've got to be very aware that that shame, it's, you know, it's, its job is to keep you isolated, to keep you safe, so to speak. But you've got to gently move past that. You've got to reach out a little bit and connect with somebody who feels safe, that somebody who you can talk to that gets it because it's impossible to heal in isolation. It's only through connection of some form will people really start to heal. And I think there's a real um, danger. A lot of the women that I work with are very smart, (laughs) are very, very smart, and they're very high-achieving women who've, you know, done a lot in their life. But when it comes to personal relationships, their motto is, I can work all this out myself. (laughs) Just give me another book to read. (laughs) Just give me another online course to do and I'll hide away in my little house reading all the theory about how to overcome a codependency, but I'm never actually going to tell anybody Mm. that I'm struggling, Mm. you know, that I'm in pain. That, you know, because God forbid that I can be vulnerable. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, and I think the shame stories are so strong, especially, you know, tied up with, like you said, friends or intimate relationships where you can't, you know, you feel like you notice that pattern and you're like, there must be something wrong with me, you know. And I think I love what you said there about finding evidence. Like I think even acknowledging that you have a job doing this is evidence enough that, you know, lots of people experience it. And it and you aren't the only one. Like that's a really powerful yeah, acknowledgement to make. So how do you navigate building a relationship and getting close with someone, whether that be intimate or friendship, without it being unhealthy? Like what does that look and feel like? Like what are what are the basic boundaries that you sort of need to, you know, guidepost yourself? You've got to do the work first. Mm-hmm. You've got to do some of that deeper work about, you know, healing from that pain that you're carrying, like the fears, like the insecurities, like the shame. You've got to do some deeper work around that. Mm -hmm. You've got to work on that self-esteem issue, that self-love issue, absolutely. You've got to work on getting right with yourself, feeling that little bit stronger in yourself. 
Some people say, well, what if I'm already in a relationship and I realise I'm codependent? Does that mean that I have to leave the relationship? Yeah. You know, in order to, to do my work? Not necessarily, <laughs> unless obviously it's one of those relationships that, you know, are at the the extreme end of the spectrum that I talked about where it's addictive, very addictive and um, violent and intense and abusive yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, if you're in that kind of situation, you do have to make the powerful choice to remove yourself from an unsafe situation because your brain will never heal if you are in a dangerous situation. Mm. That's just how we work as animals, right? If we feel like we are in danger, we will never, ever allow ourselves to heal because we're just in that fight, flight, freeze response, always looking over our shoulder, oh, my God, what's going to happen next, right? You you have to create a sense of safety for yourself first before you're ever going to be able to do the deeper healing. But in terms of then moving out to create relationship whether that be with friends or redesigning the relationships you have with your family or getting involved with somebody else there's a couple of things I'd say Mm -hmm. don't do it alone (laughs) have some support with, with somebody else who understands your patterns and because you can actually convince yourself I mean I mean this in the nicest way you can convince yourself that you're more well and together than you actually are. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. And I love like one of my mentors, Rebecca White says, you know, she is a strong advocate and I think it comes from Mastin Kip who specializes in like emotional traumas. And she says co-regulation is the way for self-regulation. You know, like we, you, like you said, you know, we're, we're bound by that love and belonging. And unless we can co-regulate with someone who loves us, but can pull us up on our blind sides and on our, on our deep shit, then, you know, then really it's just kind of like, you know, the blind leading the blind. Totally. For me, I was in therapy. I was in group therapy. I did uh, multiple 12-step programs. And if you're familiar with 12-step programs, you know that there is a, a framework of sponsorship in that, which really means that there's somebody else who can see, you know, your blind spots more than you can. Yeah. And if you if you go through a 12-step program and then you go, okay, I'm ready now to, to get into a relationship, you know, you're strongly advised to to be checking in with a sponsor or somebody else, whether it be a therapist, whoever it is, to help you navigate that slowly and carefully. Because obviously one of the patterns of codependency is having no boundaries. Mm, yes. <laughs> you have to learn to know what boundaries are. And this is one of my passions because I think a lot of women throw the term boundaries around but they don't really even know what that means. And I think most people on the planet don't really know what that means at the deeper level. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of women think, oh, I'll just pick up a book maybe about boundaries and, and read about it. Yep, I know everything there is about boundaries. No, boundaries is not a something that's just knowledge that you read from a book. You've got to get to the point where you actually can take knowledge and be embodied in your own power in yourself, it becomes wisdom in your body. And so you know, okay, I've just gone on this date, I've just met this person, it's really not a good idea to jump into bed with this person 
you know, tonight mm. or this week or whatever, right? Mm. Like you know in your gut that's if I do that, I'm actually going to be crossing a boundary that makes it really dangerous for me mm. um, and, and really risks the chances of even this ever turning out to be a good relationship. But that's the old pattern, you know, for a lot of women. It's like, oh, my God, I really want this person to like me, so, oh, you know, <laughs> I'll just quickly jump into a relationship with them. That's the old pattern talking. But when you set a boundary, you're actually making a choice to say, you know what, that's what my old self will do, would have, would have done, but I need to be strong enough to take a step back and go, no, that's not going to happen because this is my new self and I'm taking care of a new, my self in a different way. Sorry, can we focus in on that? Because I feel like that's um, oh. a lot of women's problems. Like when you're in that moment, and it's not necessarily like jumping into better than, but, but those no. strong moments where you're like, oh, like it feels like the full force of your patterning and behaviour is behind you to keep that forward momentum going. And it's really difficult, I feel, to break mm-hmm. with that. Like what's what can you do to help yourself in that moment of of choosing a new one because yeah because you know this is years and years of patterning that it's it's you can't just do it overnight like it doesn't just happen it's not like you can you can literally go to yourself oh I'm going to choose something different like I feel like there's pivotal points to get yourself there absolutely and recognizing that strong emotion and that strong drive to you know to jump in there recognizing that is really really powerful that's why you needed to have done some work for yourself beforehand. Yeah. So you know, okay, wait a minute. This is I'm filled with hormones and I'm filled with emotion and I'm filled with desire and all of this stuff and I need to get grounded. Yeah. I need to get grounded. Come back to me in this moment yeah. here now. Be grounded. Reach out. Talk to someone who's going to say, "What are you thinking?" <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And is it sometimes not not necessarily a linear process either? Like I feel like sometimes it's a hindsight. You kind of pay a bit of leapfrog, like back and forth. You go, oh, shit, like I didn't pull myself up there and now I'm kind of – and now I realise I'm exhibiting this kind of behaviour and I need to pull back here. Is that – it's kind of like a, it's a really fucking messy process, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's why recovery from codependency, you know, the slogan is one day at a time. Yeah. One day, it's one day at a time. It's one day at a time. But it's going to be so much more difficult to ever create a new pattern if you've never done the work, the deeper inner work on all of that emotional stuff that's driving you in the first place. Mm. And, look, this is the way I see it because this was my experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I realised I was a love addict yep. before I recognised the codependency. Yep. It was a very difficult um, step for me to acknowledge that my behaviour was actually extremely addictive. You know, it was, it was like a – it was way more powerful than heroin. <laughs> and, and that's human, you know, to love – the power of love is incredibly addictive and in this society that we live in, it's it's reinforced totally. through media and movies and all of that stuff. And, oh, my God, you know, they're in love. This is amazing and he will do everything for it. She'll do everything. You know, and it's, it's all of them are like codependent behaviour plus like the notebook and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely right. It's really true. But some people take go to the next level and it's, it's a real addiction mm. that 
is just like any other addiction, and this is the way I see it, that codependency is like the core issue deep inside. It's that hole in your soul. Yes. That emptiness. Yes. That you've created a whole lot of patterns around as a child to try and fill that with the people pleasing okay. and the caretaking and the rescuing yeah. and all of the stuff you do to get some validation and sense of self, right? That's all happening to try and fill this hole in your soul. But that hole in your soul is really bloody painful. Totally. And as you get older, it's like, oh, I can do things now to, to kind of numb that out a bit, you know, <laughs> take the pain away a little bit. Mm. Oh, I can drink. Oh, I can take drugs. Oh, I can have sex with everybody I want to. Oh, I could run around, you know, going from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. So to me, addiction is simply a symptom of the core pain. So that's what happened for me. I recognised I was a love addict and I had to go into withdrawal, which means I had to cut all contact with a certain person that I was going out with at the time and it was literally like I was withdrawing from heroin Yeah. and um, I had to kind of be isolated for six weeks to get over that. Mm. Did that mean that my that was it, I was fixed? No. <laughs> it was just like. Because the, the patterning is still so strong. So it took me another few years of, of uh, I, it's, like, it's like unraveling a big knotted ball of wool. Yeah. There's so many patterns and there's just so many little knots and all you can deal with is one little knot at a time. As an issue arises, okay, I'm just going to deal with this. Okay, let me let me do my best to handle this in the best way possible. Mm. Oh, great, I learned something. I feel more empowered. I, I, I've created a new pattern. Great. Next week I might fall off the wagon. Mm. Okay, as long as I get back on the wagon. But eventually that ball of knotted wool is totally pulled apart and just no longer exists anymore. But it, it is a path, it's a journey of serious commitment to do this. And And I think one of the things that I'm passionate about is women realising the seriousness of the issue rather than just saying, oh, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. Because walking around in life, not loving yourself, not knowing who you are, not knowing how to protect yourself, not having boundaries, not knowing how to take care of yourself, living in extremes, it's a really painful, painful way to live. Isn't it, Just? I love the way that you said that too. Like it's such a... And it's actually such a beautiful thing to have that serious commitment to yourself. Yes, yeah. absolutely, because nobody else can do it. And that's no. part of the fantasy. That's what oh, isn't it just, to and say it, That's like equally part of the pain too that nobody else yes. can do it because, you know, because it is when, when you're in that moment, it's like your little girl's just screaming like, but, but. Absolutely, exactly. And that's probably the biggest part in therapy or doing mm. the deeper work is realising that you're the only one yeah. who can actually take care of that wounded little girl inside of yourself and grow up. You mm -hmm. have to choose to grow her up. You have to choose to take care of that incredible vulnerable part of yourself that part of yourself that's wounded that is a choice yeah it is a very powerful profound choice that has to be made and 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 you know if you've got those codependent patterns one of the ways it shows up is that as soon as you get into a new relationship or as soon as you get into a new friendship you forget about that and you throw that out the window <laughs> and the other person just becomes you know you put the other person on a pedestal yeah and forget about yourself yeah and you, you know 
what little girl? I forgot about her yeah. because I'm so wrapped up in this new thing yeah. that's come along. But all I can say is it, to me it's a spiritual journey. Mm. It's a spiritual journey because it's about coming back to wholeness. Mm, yeah. And I personally believe, having gone through the, the experience of recovery from addiction and codependency, I truly believe that addiction, you know, the opposite of any kind of addiction is connection. Mm, yes. It's connection. And, and thank you so and, much for sharing so much of your personal story there. And you talked about that, you know, withdrawal pain. Like how do you... For someone listening who's identifying with what we're talking about, like how do you hold yourself in that withdrawal pain? Well, again, through with support. Yeah. Gotta have reached out and got support. It's to be honest with you, I'd been in years of therapy. I'd been in denial still about how much of a hold my love addiction had on me. Yeah. Because, you know, a denial is a massive component of addiction that you know, keeps it in place. But one day I just knew that if I didn't confront and stop my love addiction patterns, the only other option I had was to kill myself. That mm. was it because it was so painful yeah. living as an addict. I had no existence, no life, no sense of self. It was just all about where's the next hit coming from, where's the next hit coming from. Mm. Uh, that's the point that I got to was like I'd rather be dead. Okay, crap, I need to do something. But I had so much shame on board, Nikki, if I'm being honest. I had so much shame on board. I went through that withdrawal on my own. Yeah. Okay. I didn't tell anyone because I was so ashamed of being so weak, so damaged, so whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And that's part of the codependency pattern again. I can do this on my own. <laughs> I can tough this out. You know, I've got this, whatever. It was ridiculous. It was totally ridiculous looking back. Mm. And I always say to people now, do not be as bloody mean to yourself as I was. Yeah. Do, don't ever do that. But, you know, that was just me playing out the patterns yeah. um, very, very strongly. But if I could share one message with women on the planet about the power of withdrawal, it is that, if somebody breaks up with you, whether it's a friend or a partner or whatever, that immense pain that you're feeling, you know, that, you know, that heartbreak, the pain, it could be a lot more than just a little, oh, my God, I'm, I'm feeling so bad because we've broken up. It could be the withdrawal pain beginning. So, oh, my God, this is really, really painful. And that's what motivates women to chase and to reach out again and to, you know, send those text messages and try to re-engage. Yeah. Try to re-engage because as soon as you re-engage, oh, the pain goes away a little bit. So I believe that broken hearts, this is my personal belief, mm -hmm. that so many broken hearts are actually people going into withdrawal and not even recognising or realising that that's what's happening to them. I've never and connected those dots before. That's so... That was that. That feels um, as you're saying that, and it's landing, you know, in my heart. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's so true. <laughs> it is very, very true, and that's why. What do people do? They get the ice cream out and they stuff their feelings, and they do this <laughs> and they do all of these things. But it's actually an amazing opportunity to break the pattern if you recognise that's what's actually happening. <gasps> oh my god, this is a chance. This is an opportunity. But 
it's going to hurt for a while. Oh, isn't <laughs> because it your body is so addicted to all of those hormones, all of those feel-good hormones that they're chemicals in your body and your brain's going to crave them and it's going to want them. And withdrawing from love addiction is as messy and painful as withdrawing from heroin. And, again, it's, it's very challenging because we live in a society that says it's okay to run after love, but it's not okay to take heroin. Yeah, you know, get these really mixed messages about yeah. it. So when we've like when we're sort of starting the work, there's awareness there. You're doing a little bit of this stuff, and you, you know, you were talking about you getting into a new relationship or whatever the dynamic might be that's playing out. And we, you know, there's inevitably a point where we start giving our power away. Like, what are the signs of that? Like, how does it feel? I'm guessing resentment is like a huge warning sign. But what are others? And yeah. Well, I think if you don't have a strong sense of yourself, if you haven't done that work, if you don't know who you are, if you haven't got a great sense of your own boundaries um, and what you want out of life and what you want out of relationships and what you put up with and what you won't, I think what happens is that there's a pattern of compromise. You know, we say that relationships are all about compromise, right? Yeah. And as women, and particularly codependent women, we're generally the ones who will compromise quite easily. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll I'll do that for you or I'll go here even though I don't really want to or I'll stay up late but even though I don't really want to because we've been taught, again, that compromise is good, right? But, again, there's a spectrum. When does compromise cross the line into self-betrayal? You know, when do you cross that line where you've given too much of yourself and you're actually betraying yourself? To me, that's a very visceral sense in my body. Yeah. It's a knowing. It's a knowing. It's like I really shouldn't be doing this or I really shouldn't have said that. So how That's does it feel someone. for you so that someone can get a real sense of that? Like, like you know, some of the feelings would be resentment or like what's the visceral sensations that let you know there's a boundary being crossed and, you know, yes. and it's not – and you're not just towing the line of being, you know, of being nice, or, you know, because sometimes it can be blurry because you don't want to feel like you want to be completely selfish. And yes. Yeah, so – Absolutely. So generally it's kind of, you know, where the solar plexus is? Yep. That's the personal power center. Generally, it's a, it's a sense in there. It's like a pain or a tightness or something mm-hmm. in that solar plexus area or it's that feeling, like a gut feeling, like, oh, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> this doesn't feel right. And then what happens is the, your conscious mind will override it and yeah. go, oh, no, it'll be okay. Just this one time, <laughs> you know, next time you'll do it differently. <laughs> But my big message to the women who work with me is trust your own body, first of all. Trust your own body. And if you're still worried about being selfish, I can understand that because, again, that's part of the conditioning Yeah. Um, as women. But there's still more work to be done if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. There's still more work to be done. And nobody instantly overnight oh, becomes oh. what I call a boundary queen, right? No, that right. doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a journey. It is a journey. But if you cross that line between compromise and self-betrayal enough, then you're going to feel angry because anger is a sign, a very powerful sign. It's the emotion that 
flares up like that when you have crossed your own boundary or someone else has crossed yours. Mm -hmm. And what do we do as women? We go, oh, it's not nice to feel anger. Oh, I'm not feeling angry. No, me, I'm not angry. No, no. Bullshit. We had that flash of anger. That's the moment to say, wait a minute, something just happened. Right, a hundred percent. Like I could do a whole, I could do a whole podcast on women and <laughs> anger, especially being a mum. Like, oh, my friends and I talk about it a lot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you betrayed yourself. You feel that sense of anger. You feel the tightness in your solar plexus or in your gut. If you push it down, push it down. Very quickly, it will build into resentment. Mm. Resentment. You know, most people who come and work with me, they're filled up to resentment to their eyeballs. Yeah. They're just so filled with bitterness. Yeah. So yeah. filled with bitterness. Oh, and that's a narrative as well. Like, don't be the bitter old woman, you know? Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But if you do that long enough, yeah. that's what you become. So, and as I said, it, it's a motivating factor for the people that come and work with me because they're like, I don't want to be that woman. <laughs> I don't want to be that woman. <laughs> So true. So let's flip flip it 180 for a second because sometimes there genuinely is like you do want to do something kind for someone or, you know, and sometimes people like doing something nice for someone really fills your heart with like, you yes. know, with love and it is because it is so tied into to what we enjoy as a woman. So how do you do those things and know that you're not violating your boundaries or, or betraying yourself, you know, like how do we, how do we differentiate between that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important question because so many women have big hearts and they enjoy giving. Yeah, absolutely. They enjoy giving. And, and, you know, and this work, there's nothing wrong with that. No, There's nothing wrong with that. It only, crosses the line when you haven't taken care of yourself and you're like an empty shell and you're trying to give from an empty place. Right. So it's like if you if you have put yourself first, feels yucky to most women. It's like, oh I can't put myself first. Oh no, that's that's terrible. I've got to put myself last. Well no, you do have to put yourself first because you have to put your self care first, your sleep, your exercise, your nourishment, your self love, all of that. You've got to keep yourself full, like a full vase full of water. Yeah, the cup, you know? the cup theory. Exactly. Like you've got to fill your cup. cup. You, you've got to, you, that's your job. That's your responsibility. No one else is going to do that. If you then uh, keep yourself full, you can effortlessly give from to other people from that full cup and it feels joyful. Yes. It really does feel joyful. Yeah, like heart explosive joyful. Exactly. But. If that cup's empty, <laughs> it's like much, much harder to give from that pure place. And often then it becomes I'm giving because I want something back, not consciously, mm. but I'm feeling low, I'm feeling crap, I'm feeling burnt out, I'm feeling unloved and unappreciated. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to you and hopefully you're going to give me something back. Oh, we do yeah. that so much as women, don't we? Absolutely. If I so give we, to you, then we, you'll recognise that I'm doing something nice for you and you'll give back, and that is not the way it works. Well, look, to be honest, this is the hardest insight that I had to get my head around yeah, and okay. that my, all the women that work with me have to get their head around. Yeah, okay. If you are wrapped up in codependency, if codependency has been running your life, I hate to say it, but generally – 
you have been loving conditionally, mm, mm-hmm. not unconditionally. Yeah. And the path of recovery, one of the key skills you have to learn is how do you how do I actually love unconditionally? Give freely with nothing in without expecting anything in return. You will never do that if you are not full yourself with self-love. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. So, so many women are going around thinking they're the most loving, caring people in the world, but they're giving that love away conditionally. Yeah. I'm doing this, so you'll think I'm a good person. I'll get tickets on myself, you know, blah, blah, blah. and if I do this for you, then you'll give me this stuff back. That's all conditional, and conditional love is unhealthy and it's painful long term. Yeah. It's very painful long term, but it's, it was very difficult for me to get that realisation myself actually in that you're not as loving a person as you think you are. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was a big blow to my ego. Yeah, and as you're saying this, Natalie, I'm also feeling like even for, for you who have done so much work and gone through such a healing journey and myself too, like we're still human, right? So this is yes. this is still a really fluid process and we're still going to get it wrong and it's still, you know, like that unconditional love. Like there's a part of me that thinks like I don't know whether you ever reach that pinnacle 100% you know, in this earth school, like it's just, you know, otherwise I think I feel like you learn all your lessons and you're not here anymore. <laughs> I married a man when I was about 25, I think, and our relationship was seriously codependent, but, hey, I didn't know what codependency was back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no idea. Um, and my husband, he was a beautiful man, he was the love of my life and his name was Greg. When I married him, he was the sole parent of two small children. Mm-hmm. I became their full-time stepmother. Mm-hmm. My husband was a full-blown alcoholic, drug addict and gambler. Mm-hmm. And I just played out that codependent role for maybe 12 years until he died mm-hmm. from alcoholism, mm-hmm. which was my wake-up call, which yeah. I told you right back in the beginning, something has to wake you up, right? Yeah. That was my wake-up call at 35. Yeah. I then went on and did all my therapy and all that stuff and did everything that I could to heal myself to the best of my ability. Then I married my second husband 10 years ago and I found it extremely difficult to be married to him. I believed for the first five or six years that that it was never going to work. You know, I was always wanting to leave, all of that stuff. But then probably around the five-year mark, that's when I really got the lesson that I would, I didn't know how to love another person unconditionally. Yeah. That's when I really got what codependency really means. And that was a turning point for me because I went, all right, I get to choose now. Do I stay in my ego, you know, convinced that this is as good as it gets and, you know, this person will never, you know, never meet my needs and this relationship will never work, blah, blah, blah. Or do I get vulnerable, surrender, get honest with myself and do the work that I need to do, which is that's exactly what I chose to do because I did not want to repeat this again for like the fifth time. That's when I realised that I had done a shit ton of work and I knew a lot of stuff. But there were some deeply, deeply, deeply ingrained issues in me 
that I recognised that my mum was playing out and her mum before her played out and her mum before her. It was like really deeply inherited, ingrained stuff. Mm-hmm. And I chose to go there. I chose to heal that at a much, much deeper level again. Now I'm very happily married to the same man and I can't even remember or imagine how we ever struggled as much as we did because now there is a real sense of equality, of unconditional love, of intimacy, of peace, of acceptance. Guess what? He didn't change. He didn't go to (laughs) therapy. He didn't read a book. He's never done a personal development course in his life. You know, it was me. It was what was going on in me, what I was projecting onto him and my ideals of the fantasy relationship and all that stuff, which was all the old codependency stuff still hanging around in the background. Mm. I changed me and became someone who could love unconditionally and it's the most amazing achievement of my life because first and foremost I learned to unconditionally love myself Mm. Uh, and then it was easy. So how does that look like then, like when he does something that pisses you off or do you know what I mean? Like how do you, like I'm I'm guessing the dialogue is very different then when you're talking to him and yourself. Very, very different because to be honest, these days there's very little that he says and does now that actually triggers my hurt, my anger, whatever. Okay. because I've dealt with those triggers inside of myself. I've healed those. So there's really, he can't push my buttons, <laughs> yeah. I suppose, because I don't have the buttons there anymore. So now what's different is if I don't like something, I'm not getting that overwhelming emotional reaction straight up. Yes, okay. That would cause me to act or say something I didn't like or whatever. Yeah. But it's just not there as much anymore. Okay. So now it's just super clean and super clear and it's like, you know what, babe, I really didn't like what you just said then. It feels really, you know, yucky inside for me to hear you say those words or whatever and at, at this tone as opposed to, you bastard, you're yes. doing it again. You said you weren't going to do it. You know what I mean? Yes. There's not that overreaction because the deepest, deepest buttons in me are no longer there the pattern is broken so does that mean that each of us you know we never ever ever raise our voices to each other no but maybe you used to raise our voices to each other you know at least once a week now it's like maybe once every couple of months maybe if if that like it's just so such a non-issue yeah and as i said he didn't do anything different yeah it was me and me completely going, all right, <laughs> there's so much I need to learn here and I'm going to learn it because I've, it's been too painful to live the way that I have been living yeah. my whole life. And I think the other thing that's very different in this relationship now is I have such a strong sense of myself. Actually, to tell you the truth, one of the things that I absolutely found attractive about my second husband even though in my mind, my conscious mind was going, no, no, wait a minute, he's nothing that I imagined (laughs) (laughs) that I wanted. You know, like the whole thing about I'm going to write this list of the perfect relationship (laughs) that's going to manifest, right? Yeah. I I was like my idea of what the perfect man was 
did not match in any way, shape or form to this man who showed up, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was in my ego, was in a battle about this for a long time. Yeah. But I recognised that he had something I didn't and that was that absolute grounded sense of self. He knew who he was. There was no apology. There was no hiding. There was no need for any external validation or approval from anybody, Mm. not even me, Mm. as his wife. And I was like, whoa, that's profound. Like, wow. So all those times in the first five years of our marriage where I still had those buttons and everything, you know, so many times I would say, that's it, I'm leaving. (laughs) So dramatic, so painful, so, you know, it was very cyclical. I'd go through these cycles, cycles, right? Um, And every time, you know what he'd say to me? What? He'd say, darling, it really hurts me to see how much pain that you're in and if you truly believe in the bottom of your heart, that you would be happier and in a better place not being married to me. I totally support you. I will help you move. I will do whatever you need because ultimately I want you to be happy. Mm. But I do want you to know that as your husband, I absolutely want to be the best husband that I can be. And if, if we can work together to help me to become that, I'd really, really appreciate that. But I do totally respect your decision and choice to leave if that's what you truly believe is in your best interest there was no reaction there was no you can't leave me yeah <laughs> Stop, right yeah um and it was just like so he was just so able to accept what was and accept me for what I was and you know why he could do that he wasn't codependent mm-hmm. he isn't codependent he's never been codependent so I I used to say to God, God, why did you put me with this man? I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. And I'd get these intuitive uh, messages go, this man is not who you thought you wanted, but it's exactly who you needed. <laughs> and i go, okay, all right, I get it now. I get it now. And I'd be like, I needed an example in my life of somebody who was whole and complete and independent and choosing to be in a relationship yeah. with me, not codependent like me, where we get into a relationship, we both really need each other, and you know, <laughs> we act all that stuff out. Yeah, it was I was still in my codependency because I hadn't clearly seen it for the seriousness of it, what it was, and I inadvertently married a person who knew how to be independent, mm. and I didn't even know I was doing it. And there we learned together how to become interdependent which means that we can have conversations that other people would think, oh, that's terrible, you can't say that to your partner. Like I can say things to him like, oh, man, I'm just feeling so much hate right now. Mm. (laughs) It's like I'm feeling so much hate right now. Just like that. Mm. Like there's nothing else that he'd go, really? What's happening? And I'll tell him. And there's times where I go, do you know what? This marriage stuff, it's all just too hard. Sometimes I just feel like I want to walk out the door. And he goes, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So all these conversations that seem to be, you know, taboo, you can't say that. Well, why not? We're two human beings and being honest is part of what creates that realness. And the trust too. The realness and the trust is like I know you were going to tell me the absolute truth. Yes. about what you're thinking and feeling and what you want in any moment. You're not trying to bullshit me. You're not trying to people please me. You're not trying to, you know, manipulate smooth over the waters, push things under the carpet. 
you know, all of that stuff, which is just the pattern playing out over yes. and over. That's such a great <laughs> distinction. Thank you. So it really comes down to what I'm hearing is it comes down to like healthy boundaries, healthy self-esteem and really knowing yourself so like super well and uncovering all of those triggers and yeah, like disabling them. Disabling them. Mm. Absolutely disabling them because understanding them is often not enough. No. I think there's, this is what I learned through my journey, you know, the first stage is I'll go and learn about it. I'll read all the books that can are about it. You know, I'll, I'll go online, I'll research, I'll do all that stuff. And if I just read enough books about relationship, then I'll actually be able to work this out. That's only going to get you so far. Mm. It's only going to get you so far. And then the next level is, oh, okay, now I need to reach out. Now I need to maybe go into a counsellor or go to a therapist, go to 12-step groups, you know, start to feel my emotions, start to express myself, start to talk honestly about stuff from my past that I've hidden away, that I've been too ashamed to talk about, you know, bring all that stuff out into the light. Actually heal from traumas that happened in childhood or adulthood or whatever. Because those traumas, if they remain unhealed, they just keep playing out like a record over yeah. and over and over again. And that's why people go, but I've done all this work on myself, but I'm still reacting. Well, that just goes to show that there's some a trauma that's not healed yet. That's all. Mm. It's just a knee-jerk reaction that's still happening. Mm. So most people will get to that second level and they'll do a lot of work around that and it still might not be enough. So they've got to go to another level and that's the level that I work at now. And that's the level that I mentioned to you about realising that what I think are my issues, you know, my fears, my anxieties, my struggles, they're actually not all mine. <laughs> they feel like they're mine and they feel really heavy and they feel very real to me, but they're actually not mine. And when I had that realisation that one of the reasons I kept trying to run from this marriage that I'm in, I had this realisation one day I woke up and I thought, you know what, I feel like my mother and I feel like my grandmother because my mother and my grandmother lived in very traditional models of marriage where they were very suppressed, mm. very suppressed. They could never have, they didn't have a voice. The man was boss, what the man said goes. The woman, woman was just at home, you know, the little woman at home. And they had, they were not able to express any anger, any disappointment, that kind of stuff. And I remember when I was a kid how unhappy my mother was and how she wanted to leave the marriage. But she had nowhere to go because back in that day there was no social security system, right? So what she did was she suppressed all of that, all of that feeling of being trapped and anger and resentment and all the things. She just held it inside, deep, deep down, push, 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 push down. And one day I woke up in my marriage and went, oh, my God, I feel just like my mother. I feel trapped. I feel angry. I feel resentful. I feel all of those things that she was feeling, even though there's actually nothing happening externally to cause me to feel that way. Does that make any sense? Like logically I knew I had choice. I knew that I was a grown-up woman and I could walk out that door and, you know, leave and have a single life and everything, whereas my mum didn't have that choice. Mm. So I was like, what is this that I'm feeling? And that's when I went and researched deeper and found out that science has now proven 
that we actually inherit the traumas and pains of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Generations of them. And sometimes some of us have to go to that level and heal those buttons inside that have, say, the button of, you know, not feeling good enough, never feeling loved, that kind of stuff. Don't feel loved because that is a genetic pattern that you have actually been born with. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And I want some more information on, like, the strategies that you use to, like, disable those buttons. Yeah. Well, once once I figured that out for myself, I went, all right, <laughs> I'm going to need something very, you know, the right tool to deal with this because I'd done every other tool. So I actually just Googled and I was desperate. I was like, Google, Google. I just Googled and I Googled women's empowerment. And I came across a process that was developed by a woman here in Australia. She spent 10 years developing this process that is specific for the way a woman's mind, heart and brain are wired. Mm -hmm. It can only work for women. And one of her premises, well, she's got two very interesting premises. One is that most therapeutic models that we're used to on the planet were actually created by men. For men, yes. Men, right? (laughs) So that's the first thing, right? Okay. That's probably why a lot of women try all of these things and it doesn't last long term. Yeah. So she knew that. The second thing is fascinating. She realised that only women can grow a baby. Only women have a womb and the capacity to grow a baby. And no amount of science has ever been able to work out how that happens. What is the mystery behind how a woman's body knows exactly how to grow a baby that has never been able to be quantified you know what's that what's that energy Mm. the energy of creation that's never been able to be put in a bottle right Mm -hmm. she realized then that women must have their own feminine unconscious mind we must have access to something that men don't because there's an unconscious mind that women can access that knows how to grow a baby Mm. and men don't. So then she realised, okay, I'm going to have to create a process that actually speaks directly to a woman's, the way a woman's unconscious mind works. So she created this process. It's called Creatrix. And the whole thing is very specifically designed to speak to a female unconscious mind in exactly the way that our minds will hear it. Mm. It is quite profound. It's like, to me, it's like spirit and science meet in the middle. Mm. It's just a beautiful, beautiful process. But here's the interesting thing about it. It's not for everybody. And the reason for that is in order to heal those deep, deep inherited ancestral buttons, a woman has to be totally ready to let all that go. Mm. Not just say, oh, I'd really like things to be different. I'd really like to be less reactive. I'd really like to love myself more, blah, blah, blah. No. Are you serious about transforming yourself at the deepest possible level? So one minute. You don't know how to love yourself. 15 minutes later, you feel and know in every cell of your being you are loved, you are lovable. It's never going to be a question ever again for the rest of your life. Are you ready for that? And to be honest, a lot of people aren't ready for it 
because the old conditioning is so powerful. Mm. As you know, those old conditioned patterns are very, very powerful. So again, it takes a life wake-up call. It takes something to go, what? You mean there's more? I can have more Mm. than what I've ever imagined for myself? Wow. Am I prepared to really step into my full power and own that? Mm. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> the transformations happen extremely quickly and, and beautifully and safely and lovingly. And here's the interesting thing is when I somebody has to prove that they're ready to let go and the way that they prove that is they've got to actually, when they, even when they're doing the process with me, they have to be able to put their own story, their own shit, their own issues, their own problems completely to the side Mm. it's no longer about them it's no longer about healing themselves it's no longer about healing their lifetime it's nothing to do with them they've got to go on this completely different journey and down this path that they've never imagined was even possible and be able to put their ego completely aside to do that and look we're human beings our egos are really powerful and strong aren't they (laughs) uh, we can say we don't want to be victims anymore but hey Let's be honest, on some level, that victim mentality that so many women have been conditioned with, it's got a powerful payoff in many ways. Oh, it does have a huge payoff. Like you were talking about addictions, there's like addiction, you're addicted to that pain. You're addicted to that same pattern because you know know how it's going to play out. There's safety in it. Exactly. There's comfortable, it's safe, it's familiar, it gets you attention, all of those things. That's why I say that the deep, the level of work that I do is not for everybody. It's only when someone comes to me and they go, you know what, I am sick to death of this. <laughs> I do not and cannot be a victim one more day. And I'm prepared to let all that go. I'm prepared to go step into another reality and sense of myself and make all the changes I need to make in my life to break that pattern completely even though it's like this beautiful comfortable role that I've been playing for so long and people are gonna I'm gonna change so deeply that the people around me will have to change and I'm okay with that because I'm not people pleasing them anymore yeah you know I've come to the point it's not about anybody else anymore it's about me and how I want to live the rest of life and honestly most people who come to me have already lived half of their life yeah and that's the hard thing too, I think, like when you, you know, when women really sink into it, they realise that a lot of the relationships in their life, family relationship, friendships, everything, like it can be really daunting when you want to be a new version of yourself and you're like, how is, you don't know how the rest of, you know, how that's going to filter out that ripple effect, what that's going to look like for the rest of yeah. your life. Absolutely. And I think it takes a lot of courage. Yes. It is the path less travelled. And I think I mentioned earlier, it is it, to me it's a spiritual journey mm. because it's a surrender. Yeah. It's like, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that feels uncomfortable. I don't know what the ramifications will be. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen next. But what I do know is I can't live like this yeah. one more day. That's what I do know. Yeah. And trust, there's so much trust, a leap of faith mm. that has to happen to go, you know what, I'm going to trust that if I make this level of transformation, the positive ripple effect out from me into my life is going to be way, 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 way more valuable 
then trying to keep this status quo of, you know, keeping everything, you know, the way everybody expects me to live and expects me to be because it's nice and safe. Mm. What else is possible? I trust that there's something much bigger and more positive for me, even though I'm walking down this tunnel and it all looks dark and I don't, I don't know where this <laughs> is going. It's it's not for the faint-hearted, as I yeah. said. So once it's done, it's done, and it's done very quickly. Three to four sessions, that's it, one month done, kaboom. Nice. Because we don't talk about, we don't go now. How tell me where did you get this low self esteem from? No, we don't need to know any of that. Yeah, I love but that. Completely different take on it all together. And women get it. Women get it. Once once they once they realise that what I was shared with them about the, the the womb space and the growing the baby and you know traditional therapies all being created by men so they don't work for women they're like I get that yeah mm. I get it so um, and mm. they're the women who come to me are change makers they know they were born to be the one in the family to do the work they know that <laughs> they just know it it's like yeah. oh shit oh, okay <laughs> roll the sleeves up I'm gonna do this I know thing. it's because. exhausting hard work you're like all this line of women behind me and I'm the one <laughs> I'm the one, exactly. I'm the one paving the way. Yeah. It was so funny. Years ago, um, before I ever started on this journey, I had a spiritual reading done and this lady um, chose a card for me and she, and she said, right, your role in life now is to be a banner carrier. I'm like, what the hell is a banner carrier? Like what does that even mean? And it took me years later to think back on that in hindsight. And what she meant was I was carrying this big banner I was walking down this road carrying this big banner and women were coming in behind me and I was kind of going, hey, follow me. We're going to go down this path because I've been there. I know it's really good. Just follow me. And on mm. the banner is the word freedom. Mm. Yes, I love I know. That. I know now what freedom feels like. Uh. I know what that means. I feel it in every cell of my being. Me, 20 years ago, I was on my knees praying to God saying, please, I just hope in this lifetime I will learn to love myself. I just want to be myself. I just want to be happy. I just want to love myself, be myself and be happy. How the hell am I ever going to do that, right? <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I'm sure there's millions of women on the planet who would love to experience that even just for one day. Oh, totally. Like you're speaking my language, that freedom and, yeah, like, oh, God, I have moments like that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like without a doubt, you know, I think that's just part of the life experience. So if we want to work with you on this within ourselves, with your help, where can we find you, Natalie? You can find me at my website, which is natalieannemurray.com.com. And if you go to my page called Transform With Me, you can, you'll see all the information that you know, you know about this process that I was talking about, Creatrix. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the first step, there's also a free training that I offer that you can connect with on my website. And the training is actually called Be a Woman of Integrity, The Three Hidden Ways a Woman Gives Her Power Away and How to Take It Back. And that training goes through about 45 minutes to an hour. And what it is is a process of, waking up a process of awareness about those little ways that you're still giving your power away that may be completely unconscious to you that you can't even see and ultimately my aim is to help a woman truly feel like she's in complete integrity in herself and in every relationship that she has yeah she's oh, truly yeah. walking her talk she's not just talking the talk she's walking the talk she, the inside matches the outside. She's lined up with who she really is. 
She's got those beautiful boundaries. She puts them in place with love and power, natural love and power, not aggression, not downs. She's found that middle road where she can be true to herself without that fear of being alone, but she can also give lovingly and freely when it feels like the right choice for her in that moment. And it's about always being honest with self and others. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I feel like there's so much for me to unpack. Um, I love having these conversations. It's a huge subject. (laughs) It is. And, you know, like you said, it's just so rampant, isn't it? And it's so covert in so many ways. So. It really, really is. And I think it's one of the reasons why there's such a high rate of depression and anxiety for women in particular, you know, because they're medicating the depression and the anxiety when really it's the symptom of codependency. Yes. That's just the way I see it. Yes. And how many doctors do you go to who would say, you know what, have you ever thought about being codependent? Uh, (laughs) That never happens. No, it it doesn't happen at the moment. Thank you so much for your oh, sage words of wisdom. Thank you for your love and energy and the beautiful conversation today. I have adored um, chatting with you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me too and allowing me to share all my stories. And, um, yeah, I felt like we had a connection there around this whole topic was makes it really easy to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a shared experience. It felt like it was a shared experience, which is really beautiful. It so is. thank you. Thank you. Mm, Natalie and Murray there talking all things codependency. I am not going to lie to you, babes. I have felt deeply triggered by this conversation. It brings up a lot for me in terms of (laughs) there's always work to be done, right? There's always so much more work to be done. And this um, has laid under the surface for a while. I think, you know, I've been single and I've been... I don't know, exploring the possibility of wading back out into the dating pool and a conversation like this makes me think, oh, am I even ready? But that's the beautiful thing about gorgeous beings like Natalie Ann Murray because they're here to help us and they're here to help us rise up and they're here to help us heal and they're here to help us transcend all the shit that feels like it's weighing us down. So I invite you to jump on and follow Natalie and engage with her. If this has, if this is an episode that has triggered you, engage with her, hit her up. She is the most delightful woman and you can hear in her story that she knows. She knows because she's been there too. So hit her up. Um, or you can also connect with me on Instagram at quintessential underscore being underscore by Nikki. If you are wanting to start your very own podcast, I am a podcast host, audio editor and producer, and I would love to work with you. I am all about working with big hearted, epic souls who have this 
oh, this gorgeous truth just bursting from their heart, ready to shout to the world. I think women supporting women and getting your message out there and having open and deep conversations just like this one is how we are going to heal the world. So if you're interested, hit me up on Facebook, Nikki O'Brien, or visit my website, quintessentialbeing.com. As always, from my heart to yours, thank you so much for listening today. If this has resonated with you, I invite you to share it with a friend, to chat about it with me, to open up conversations on social media. Um, Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for listening today. Please share it with a friend. And until next time, big love. Mm -hmm.